2: And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the
3: powerful backing of American Express.
2: See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash
3: with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day.
5: I'm going to make fun of the Knicks a lot, I think, honestly. For those of you out there waking up across the country, there's reports that they may swing and miss on Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyrie Irving. But have no no fear, Knicks fans. They are going to go aggressively after DeMarcus Cousins. It's not a punchline. That's real. So, uh, good congratulations, Knicks. The summer of free agency you've all been waiting for is basically ending in a horror film status. You've been wiped out by the uh, the serial killer bad guy on a horror film, and you are now sort of stumbling drunkenly around, trying to figure out how to spend your money. That is the latest report. We'll get to it. We've actually got Frank Isola joining us from New York City early uh, in the morning uh, to discuss the latest absurdity from New York as it pertains to the Knicks. So we will get to that. Uh, but first... Big time win last night. College World Series has been a lot of fun to watch. And the Vanderbilt men's baseball team got its second national title under head coach Tim Corbin. And they did it pretty easily in a dominating fashion. Never really in doubt. Down one nothing. I guess, in the first inning. Came back to score, I believe it was the next seven or eight runs, whatever the number was there. Uh, before they walked off ended up winning this thing eight to two not a lot of drama associated with it but it was a hell of a season and uh, we have the final call here and then I'm going to talk about an incredible aspect of this title but first here's what it sounded like last night when the College World Series came to an end with the Vanderbilt Commodores on top of all of baseball
4: Thomas lines it to center field backing up is DeMarco he'll make the catch and the doors have done it Vanderbilt
5: baseball national champions for the second time in school history an 8-2 win over Michigan as Vanderbilt claims the title in Omaha. One of the most amazing things about the Vanderbilt title and this is their second now under Tim Corbin is Tim Corbin is up there in college sports with one of the most impressive accomplishments in all of sports when you look at what Vanderbilt baseball was before Tim Corbin, and what they have been since he left, uh, since he left, since he, since he got his really kind of things rolling in a big way. Vanderbilt baseball was not in any way remotely uh, relevant. Remember we talked if you listen to my wins and losses podcast with Mike Leach, and Mike Leach said on that show. Determining whether or not somebody is a good coach is often not a function of whether or not they win championships, although it matters. It's looking at the difference between what they have been able to accomplish and what everyone else in the same job has been able to accomplish. And Tim Corbin now has been at Vanderbilt for 17 years, and he in college baseball is a lot like Bill Snyder in college football, in that Bill Snyder, has done one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest coaching job all time when you look at the history of Kansas State relative to what he's done. Kansas State football basically doesn't exist without Bill Snyder. He has made that program relevant in some way. Vanderbilt baseball basically doesn't exist without Tim Corbin. I want to hit you with these stats. Think about this. Vanderbilt in its history as a program in baseball had been to three NCAA tournament appearances when Tim Corbin took over this job. They had been to uh, the NCAA tournament in 1973, 1974, and 1980. That's it. It's not that hard to make the NCAA tournament, by and large, in college baseball. They had won uh, one conference tournament championship. All right? Since Tim Corbin got to Vanderbilt, the entire history of the program, they have been to three NCAA tournament appearances. He gets there, and they go, listen to this, 2004, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. He's missed, what, one year basically since 2004 of making the NCAA tournament at Vanderbilt Men's Baseball. And in the process, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, he's been to 15 NCAA tournaments at Vanderbilt. And prior to his arrival, they had been to three. I mean, this is one of the most impressive coaching jobs that we have ever seen in the history of college uh, baseball. And honestly, in the history of college sports. And again, it's not just that Corbin now has won two national titles as a head coach, which is rare no matter what you coach in sports, uh, college sports. There are a lot of people who get that first title. A second title is incredibly rare by and large, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball. There just aren't that many coaches who win more than one national title because winning one alone is so hard. But I want you to think about what I just said the history of Vanderbilt baseball is really not very existent, right? There's been only three NCAA tournament championships uh, and uh, appearances, and they've already won uh, two national titles now and been to 15 NCAA tournaments since then. Put it into context, Tim Corbin has almost won as many national titles at Vanderbilt as they had NCAA tournament appearances before he arrived. He's got two national titles. They'd only been to three NCAA tournaments before he arrived. It's it's a pretty unbelievable stat, which is why Kumar Rocker, who was the most outstanding player at the College World Series, will be, I think, assuming he stays healthy, the number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft in two years. After the game, he compared Tim Corbin
1: to Nick Saban. What do you
3: want to say to Coach Corbin as you give him national championship number two?
1: special i said earlier in the interview i said he's a goat he's like Sabin. he's got it
5: <laughs> uh and that's a uh, that's an aggressive comparison no matter who you are but something that corbin has done that sabin did not is he's made a program that was totally not relevant relevant in a big way on the national stage now in addition to vanderbilt winning this title is a story that i think is pretty compelling One of the most compelling stories I have heard associated with a championship. Four years ago, Vanderbilt had a stud pitcher on their team named Donnie Everett. He was likely to be a high-end first-round pick. His final pitch in the SEC season came in the SEC uh, championship game, I believe it was. He threw 101 miles per hour in the SEC tournament. Uh, in his final pitch there. They finished that. I believe they won the SEC championship in the tournament that year. Vanderbilt comes back home. They get a day, go practice earlier in the day, get a day off, and then they are set to host a regional in uh, at Vanderbilt. This is in 2016. Coming off back-to-back title game appearances in 2014 and 15. They won one. Uh, they lost the other one. It is now 2016. Vanderbilt is really good. And it is a, uh, it's a story you probably have, have heard, uh, but maybe haven't. And uh, Donnie Everett is this kid's name. Let me tell you a little bit about Donnie Everett. He's the only child of a, uh, a couple from an area of town called Clarksville, Tennessee, for those of you listening nationwide. Clarksville, Tennessee is a military town it's where, uh, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of people, it's kind of a bedroom community to the city of Nashville. And uh, it's where Donnie Everett is, is, grows up. His dad is a mailman. His dad is a mailman in Bellmead, uh, which is a part of Nashville. It's a long drive away from Clarksville. Big drive. Bellmead is also the wealthiest area of Nashville. It's where, if you live in Nashville on the west side of the city, there are huge multi-million dollar mansions. It is the per capita wealthiest place in Nashville and one of the wealthiest places in the country. Donnie Everett's dad would show up every day for work, drive all the way across uh, the city of Nashville early in the morning before the sun is up and work as a mailman in this jurisdiction. Bellmead is not far from Vanderbilt. When he would work in that jurisdiction, he would drive past Vanderbilt University. He would also then end up delivering mail to many Vanderbilt alums, some of the most successful in uh, in the entire city and frankly in the entire country who were Vanderbilt alums and would live in this multi-million dollar mansion. His son was an incredible, incredible baseball player. There's all sorts of stories about what he accomplished when he was playing in Clarksville. But one of the most amazing is that he uh, he, he was not only an incredible pitcher who would have been a first-round draft pick, he's an incredible hitter. And they'll tell stories about how, for instance, uh, Donnie Everett hit a three-run homer in the top of the ninth and then came back out in the bottom of the ninth and struck out the side to win – huge baseball, a huge baseball game, right? I mean, he was not only a dominant pitcher, he was one of the most dominant baseball players that anybody's ever seen in the state of Tennessee. And uh, so his freshman year, he's well on his way to turning into one of the greatest pitchers to ever come through Vanderbilt University. And there's been a lot of them, right? Whether it's David Price, whether it's Walker Bueller. And they get a day off in the afternoon. And he and a couple of teammates decide that they are going to go fishing. Um, And they go out to go fishing. And while they are there, he decides to swim across a a lake where they are fishing. And inexplicably, halfway across, he just starts to struggle. And he drowns. Right in front of his teammates. And... It's the day before the NCAA tournament is set to start, and Tim Corbin gets a call, has to go and meet with the team, including his teammates who were there watching Donnie Everett drown. Vanderbilt goes out, and uh, this kid, Donnie Everett, is the only child of the couple that I was telling you about who live in Clarksville, Tennessee their only child. An incredible dream for those of you out there who have kids. This is basically every parent's worst nightmare to get a call about something this bad that comes out of absolutely nowhere. And the Vanderbilt baseball team is shocked to its core. Tim Corbin who I know well, tells his wife Maggie at the end of the season, Vanderbilt goes out hosting this tournament, NCAA tournament games in at, at their home stadium and loses two straight games, gets absolutely obliterated. The team is just shook to its core. Has no interest in playing games. They're going to the funeral. Everything surrounding it is just an unmitigated disaster. After that game uh, to end the season, Vanderbilt baseball team just sits in the dugout for an hour and a half and doesn't hardly move. Everybody's just in shock, overridden with grief, unable to process what's just occurred. Things are so bad in the immediate aftermath of the way that season ended and the, the, the Donnie Everett loss that Tim Corbin will tell his wife Maggie, like I I just don't know if I can continue to do this anymore. That's how beaten and shaken to the very essence Tim Corbin is. Then something interesting happens. Uh, The Vanderbilt baseball team embraces the Everett family, the mom and the dad, who are overcome with grief, but lean into the Vanderbilt baseball program as a way to deal with that grief. This is sports in one of its most pure aspects with the ability to heal. And so Tim Corbin picks up the phone and he calls uh, a couple months after the death and he's going up to Cape Cod to watch a lot of the Vanderbilt baseball players in uh, the Cape Cod League summer league up there. A lot of them go up there and work out and play during the summer after the baseball season ends. And he just extends an offer. He and his wife do to the Everett family. Hey, you know this may be crazy, but would you guys be interested in coming up to uh to watch you know baseball with us in Cape Cod? And the Everett family, who basically hasn't left their house according to the dad since the death of their son. Says yes. And that creates a beautiful relationship and synergy between these grieving parents and the Vanderbilt baseball team. And so, in the ensuing years, the Everett family has basically become a part of the Vanderbilt baseball team. They attend a lot of the games. They're around all of the kids. There are seven of them that were teammates of Donnie Everett on this year's team. And after the game, uh, I tweeted out a video of this. But the Everett family traveled to Omaha, set right by Maggie Corbin. If you watch this game on television, they were sitting directly behind her. And they were on the field celebrating with the Vanderbilt men's baseball team after this game ended, he would have been a senior on this team. So almost four years to the day, three years, I guess, to the day after Donnie Everett died in 2016 as a freshman finishing his first year at Vanderbilt University in what would have been his senior year, Vanderbilt won the national championship and his parents were on the field celebrating that championship. Um, we talk a lot about the power I think on this show of sports and also just what it can mean not for who wins right there are lots of games that everybody has played in or watched over the years uh, in sports but ultimately I think the reason why most people are fans of sports and certainly I would imagine why a huge majority of you listening right now are for the community and connection that being part of a tribe, any one particular team, brings to your life. And uh, I just think the most compelling and incredible part of Vanderbilt winning this championship last night was the way they were able to do it in the memory of Donnie Everett and the way that they were able to include Donnie Everett's family in that experience on the field. After the game, traveling with them, having them in Omaha, if you have been around tragedy, and hopefully most of us have not had anything like what happened to Donnie Everett happen, but you know that one of the ways that you can respond to tragedy is to pretend it didn't happen and to move away from it Uh, and to try and forget what happened and go on with your life because if you think about it too much, it can be overwhelming. What Tim Corbin did and what Maggie Corbin, his wife, did was they leaned into that tragedy and in a way when many people, I think, would have tried to pretend this never happened and take it away uh, from their memory, they brought the memory of Donnie Everett and his family into the embrace of the Vanderbilt baseball family and the ending to Donnie Everett's career at Vanderbilt as a result is in no way his death. It's the championship that brought his team and his parents together in remembrance of him. Uh, Every game since Donnie Everett died, Tim Corbin has jogged outfield and touched on the wall a um, a memory of that Vanderbilt put on the Hawkins field wall, and he does it on the road, he did it in Omaha, to remember and remind him of Donnie Everett. And I can't think of a better remembrance than what we saw on the field last night.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
4: Getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at Hymns.com slash two pros. That's HIMS dot slash two pros for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns slash two pros. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Sex choose Dot com slash sports tire the way tire buying should be
5: we go up to New York City where Frank Isola is uh, at the Frank Isola on Twitter you can see him on around the horn you can read him at the athletic listen to him at Sirius XM Frank when you saw the news start to come out last night that the Knicks may not have a chance at Kawhi they may not have a chance at Kyrie Irving they may not have a chance now at Kevin Durant but they're thinking about signing Demarcus Cousins. What in the world did you think?
0: Well, I think a couple of things. Number one, you know, if you go back to that Kristaps Porzingis trade, you know, the Knicks, the reason they made that trade was so they can get two guys. And now, if you don't get anybody, how are you going to look at? How you going to look at the media in the face and tell you that that was a good trade when if you hung on to Porzingis, Clay, you could be entering training camp with Chris Tapper, and R.J. Barrett. So you traded away an asset for Dennis Smith Jr. And any player that Dallas wants to get rid of, I'd be concerned about because I think the Dallas front office coaching staff is pretty smart. But if you also think about it, when the Knicks got rid of Przingas, the way they set it up was he forced our hand, he didn't want to be here, then it was he threatened to go back to Europe. Because what the Knicks are trying to tell you is if this doesn't work out, we still had no choice. As you know, Chris Tapper, was on his rookie uh, deal. When you're on your rookie deal, the team controls everything about you. If they want you, they could keep you. If they don't want you, then they can get rid of you. Because even if Brazingis had gone out as a restricted free agent and gotten like a big contract, the Knicks would have had the opportunity to match it. So I think for them, you know, the Knicks, who love to talk, we've changed the culture, we're perceived differently. Well, you went 17-65. and 65. You know, the, the record is what it is. You've gone 18 years and you've had the worst record in the nba so you just can't it it's not about talk and telling people that you've changed you have to prove it on the court and they have yet to prove it so if you're kevin Durant, Clay, would you take that kind of risk on the roster that the knicks have 17 wins knowing you're going to miss all of next season you know a lot of these guys they don't want to take that leap of faith and to be fair when you think about what the knicks have done over the last 18 years all the losing all the dysfunction how can you blame them
5: and on top of the Knicks potentially missing on Durant and Kyrie Irving, the news last night, and I saw this and I just kind of raised my eyebrows, the offshore markets are not always a perfect predictor of what people decide to do, right? People can be buying the rumor. They can be wrong. There can be uh, things spreading that are not true. But the out of nowhere, the Brooklyn Nets suddenly went to minus 300 to sign Kevin Durant. So in addition to the Knicks missing on Durant, it's possible now that Brooklyn might get him and Kyrie Irving. I mean, it's not just that the Knicks don't sign top free agents, it's that they're still coming to the same city and going to what had always been what the 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 little brother to describe it at best of the Knicks franchise in Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, I remember too in those last 18 years the Nets have been to two NBA finals while the Knicks have had one playoff series victory. Right. No, it's uh it's, it's very Clippers the, and Lakers
5: esque, honestly, in the last, uh, you know, decade basically.
0: Absolutely. And it really would be a public relations disaster if that would have happened. That I mean, if I if come on, Clay, if we were sitting around at the beginning of the year and we said, guess what? At the end of the year, both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are gonna leave their teams and they're both coming to play together in New York, I think you would have put down a lot of money that it was going to be the New York Knicks. I think I would have done the same. But to the Nets credit, you know, they have tried to create a culture there. They did they were a playoff team this year, which I think certainly helped them. And I also think a couple of things. They're going to have a their minority owner or their majority owner is going to be Joe Tsai, who's the gentleman that owns Alibaba, you know, one of the biggest companies in China. So I think for a lot of the players, a lot of the marketing endorsement opportunities in China will be there go ask Tracy McGrady and some of the uh, you know some of the guys that played with Yao Ming Steve Francis the same thing they're still making money from being connected with Yao Ming with the Houston Rockets and also as you know Martin O'Malley is the Nets team doctor he performed the surgery yeah that's a big Bero I think when he had the foot injury the Jones fracture a few years back with Oklahoma City and of course the the ruptured Achilles so if, if you're Durant If you're being smart, you you should go to a place where you're confident in the medical staff, and I would think you would have some confidence in what goes on in Brooklyn.
5: Yeah, it it would. I mean, the decision to travel to New York and have the surgery on the Achilles tendon and then for this guy to be the Brooklyn Nets team physician, it's not as if he can't travel and meet with any physician that he wants, but having that guy there to monitor your recovery and having an incredibly good relationship with the training staff, um, I, I think that factors in has to factor in substantially in his decision and then like you said this Nets team was a playoff team and I, I'm there's a lot of playoff games so I, I think I'm correcting this they lost in seven games didn't they or or was it six I can't remember exactly to the, the uh, 76ers yeah. no, but they no I, were,
0: I think I, yeah, I think it ended up being five but they oh did they it five okay for, they for, won game
5: know, one right is that what they yeah. did in that series they yeah. won game one and then they lost the rest but they were competitive in that series right I mean this, this was a team that didn't just make the postseason they contended in many ways. If it were only five games, that's a function of the fact that they lost a lot of close games down the stretch. They had a chance to win that series.
0: Yeah, and I think absolutely. And you know, Kenny Atkinson has done a very good, has been a very good coach, and he's done very well for point guards. Guys like Jeremy Lin, when he played for the New York Knicks, that's when um, you know Kenny Atkinson was a Nick assistant coach, and Jeremy Lin had one of his best years. And you think about the way D'Angelo Russell played this year at the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, I, I think, you know, point guards look at Kenny Atkinson as a guy that could help them, and obviously Durant, he, he should be more worried about his rehab and how he's going to get back. But the Brooklyn Nets have a lot of things going for him. Everybody now, you know, Brooklyn is considered this, uh, you know, this hip place, and they have the beautiful practice facility. You get to play in New York, but you don't have to kind of put up with a lot of the nonsense that goes on with the Knicks. And to be fair, you know, I think, you know, this is the one thing that Jim Dolan, uh, you know, especially in the front office, need to look at instead of blaming the media all the time for all your issues. When are the Knicks finally going to look in the mirror and say, you know, maybe we need to change the way that we do things? And I still say, even, you know, it was funny last night I spoke to Charles Oakley after he tweeted out a photo of himself and Kevin Durant. You know, Ke- uh, Charles Oakley, regardless of how you feel about him, was a beloved player here you know, with the Knicks, you know, a guy that gave it, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. You'd always know, see him diving on the court after loose balls. You know, the last time we saw him on the court at Madison Square Garden, he was being tackled and dragged out of the place. You know, like if if you're the Knicks, like why would Jim Dolan think that that's like a good image? And then the next day, you go on radio, and you're calling the guy an alcoholic. Like, you know, even if you think you're a hundred percent right in that situation, why would you do that? Like, none none of that is going to help the overall kind of brand and help the perception of you and help the perception of the team. I think at some point the Knicks as opposed to blaming the media all the time, you know, start looking at what you're doing wrong.
5: Yeah, you know, it's also intriguing. Let's say that this ends up happening and and Kyrie and Kevin Durant go to Brooklyn. And let's say also that Kawhi decides to go to the Clippers. This would be an interesting move taking place simultaneously on both coasts that would to me stamp once more the players in the NBA as bigger brands than the franchises, right? Can you imagine that 15 years ago we would have ever said, or 20 years ago, oh, that guy's going to turn down Madison Square Garden and the Knicks, and the other guy's going to turn down Showtime and the Lakers, and they're going to go to the same city, basically, and Kawhi Leonard's going to decide, you know what, I'd prefer to play for the Clippers, and Kyrie Irving's going to say, alongside of Kevin Durant, you know what, I'd prefer to play for Brooklyn, it's also it, it's evidence, I think, of the power of the individual in the NBA, and I don't think it's just the NBA, right? I think this has happened in lots of different facets of the world of sports. College football, which I love, for instance, I think the coach matters more than the program there. If you got Nick Saban yeah. going anywhere, college baseball, you got Tim Corbin who just won a championship, and Vanderbilt baseball basically didn't exist. The coach matters more than the program. I don't think there's any doubt in the NBA that the player matters more than the team.
0: Well, and think about it, too. Look at a guy like Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Westbrook plays in Oklahoma City but crying out loud. I don't, know, you know, I don't like the way that he handled himself during the playoffs. I thought he was a pain in the neck, and you know, I know people can have issues with the way that he plays. But just in terms of the brand that he is, think about how big he is. He plays in the smallest market. It's like he's a nobody out there. And I think even a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo playing in Milwaukee, everyone kind of knows who he is. It's become a much smaller world when it comes to stuff like this. And I've always said this about new york players too you know if you play in new york like derek jeter was as big of a star as we've had here in the last 50 years it's not like you drive down the highway and there would be billboards of uh derek jeter all over the place you know so even when you come here you're still competing again you know we have two of everything i mean usually we stink in everything but we do have two (laughs) of everything football baseball basketball we got three hockey teams for crying out loud so there's even like a lot of competition just from that standpoint so i you know I, I do think you're right, you know in the nBA the you know the player is you know bigger than the team a lot of times i I also think that's hurt the league a little bit. I know you were kind of harping on yeah, the ratings during the NBA finals, and I think that has a lot to do with it too that the NBA sells stars, so when a guy like LeBron doesn't make it, people are like, well, why should I be watching your biggest star didn't make it.
5: Uh, I don't think there's any doubt, all right. Let's go into soccer for a minute. I don't know if you guys talked about this on around the horn uh very much, but Megan rapino saying I'm not effing going to the White House. Uh one obviously looking ahead in the event that the World Cup ends up happening uh for the US women and they win the championship. Now Donald Trump and we'll talk about this some in hour two responded to her yesterday on Twitter uh and still invited the women's World Cup team to the White House regardless. What did you think when you saw Megan Rapino come out and decide to uh, to say these things?
0: Yeah, cuz that video I think was uh, It's an older you know, shot. video
5: but it, yeah. it went public, yeah, I, I guess a couple of yeah, years. ago.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I think I think the whole thing, to me, looked like a setup, even from her. It kind of looked like she knew, like, to me, I think she needed to be smarter there. Like, why would you go down that road at that time, regardless of when the video was shot, even in January? I mean, first of all, who's to say at that time you'd even be on the team? Like, you know, she's had injuries in the past. We said, you know, God forbid she could have gotten hurt at some point leading up to the World Cup. So it's almost like I think she knew that the question was going to come. The way that she answered it, she knew. She's saying that knowing that that's going to have an impact. She knows that that's going to get released. And if I'm Jill Ellis, I'd be a little ticked off because I think the way that the Americans have handled themselves over there, going back to that Thailand game, that was not a good look for them. And then even against Spain, I think a lot of people look at them as catching a break, especially on that second goal. And now you're going up to play France. In Paris, like, I don't know, like, why I would want that out there. Like, if I'm, if I'm France, I'm thinking, wait, so their players are already going around talking about winning and whether or not they're going to go visit the president at the White House. This is where their focus is on. If I were Jill Ellis, I would not be happy about it because I think it's like, it, it's the wrong tone to kind of set going into a match. And you know, when there's media availability, this is now going to, going to become the big thing because I know a lot of her players are, rally, you know, the teammates are rallying around are showing support. It's not it's not the right way to go into a match.
5: Especially not a challenging match when you're on the road going up against France in what is probably for many people the considered the default title game, right? And you're you've got all the French fans, you got all the attention that's coming in. I can't imagine this is something that the US women's team wants to uh, wants to react to and frankly they didn't play well in uh, in their game on Monday uh-huh. against Spain. They were very fortunate to win that one.
0: No, you're right. And, uh, you know, Spain was very physical against it. You could tell that it got to the U.S. team. You know, I, I think that I, – I said this about what happened against Thailand, you know, with the celebrating at goals 10, 11, 12, and 13. There's no way that all 23, 24 players and everyone on that coaching staff think thinks it was the greatest thing that they did. Now, I don't think anybody is going to come out publicly and say that because you don't want to, you know, put yourself in that position, especially maybe like a player that's more of a fringe player. And I think it's the same thing here with Mega Rapino, even regardless of maybe how the people, uh, the person might feel politically. It's just like, it, it's it's not worth saying. It's almost like you're trying to draw attention to yourself, which is one thing. But why are you even talking about it in January, whenever it was? And now here it's coming out. Like the fact that it's coming out now, in theory, might not be your fault. But it is your fault because you're the one that brought it up. Why are we talking about where we might go? I don't want to go cursing about going there. And then... I thought it kind of looked bad because I thought the president did a smart thing. Yeah, win or lose, we want you guys here.
5: Yeah, I the president, we'll talk about that uh, later in the show. We haven't mentioned it yet, but I'll talk about the president's response to Megan Rapinoe. Good stuff as always. Frank Isola at the Frank Isola. Watch him on ESPN. Listen to him on SiriusXM. Read him at The Athletic. Good stuff, my man.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
6: Hey, it's
4: Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone Tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and
5: okay uh i teased it for a little while let's go ahead and cue the music boys it's time for the animal thunderdome
2: ladies and gentlemen i'm just glad i was there boys and girls i thought he thought i was like this ginormous piece of chicken dying times here This
7: is Animal Thunderdome.
5: All right, Danny G, I think you have some audio for us. What's this story about a grandma and a cobra?
7: (laughs) You are going to love this. All right, let's go to Bucks County. This is outside of Philadelphia. Channel 10, NBC 10 has the story.
3: My gladiolus are about to bloom. At
2: first glance, you'd think great grandma Kathy Kehoe couldn't hurt a fly. I usually
3: use clippers for this.
2: Until yesterday, when the 73-year-old saw something lurking in her Falls Township garden.
3: I said a bad word, I said, that's a bleep,
2: (laughs) cobra. This five-foot long Asian cobra, she snapped these pictures and then the school bus driver did something unexpected grabbing this shovel.
3: This is how you have to go at it if you're gonna, you know, decapitate something.
2: (laughs) The great granny stalked the potentially lethal cobra into the grass.
3: I nudged his tail, he stopped, he raised his hood, he turned around, and that's when I got him.
2: (laughs) Right through the top of its venomous head. She shouted for help, but paused.
3: I really felt bad, I like apologized to the snake. I was like, I'm sorry this had to happen she don't belong here
2: a passerby called animal control and officers collected the now dead cobra kathy told us she went after the snake to protect the kids in the neighborhood
3: i still can't believe i did it it was almost like instinct like really i thought of like my great-grandson i thought of you kids there's babies in here
2: as for the cobra this apartment complex is the same one where officials removed 20 venomous snakes including cobras back in march this makes 21 the strength goes
3: into the seed and not into the bulb.
2: You'd think Kathy Kehoe couldn't hurt a fly, but a deadly cobra
3: It was just kinda like looked around at me like what are you doing lady and I was gonna have to kill you pal. <laughs> uh,
5: those are amazing <laughs> quotes, but I wanna just pause here for a sec. Uh, I would poop all over myself <laughs> if a freaking cobra showed up in my yard. I'm not kidding. If I was if I was out in my yard doing anything and I saw a snake, I would be incredibly nervous. If the snake then raised itself up and the hood spread out and I saw that it was a cobra, I would lo- I would lose my mind. <laughs> and honestly, I'm not even kidding about this. I would seriously contemplate selling the house because I'd be like, there's a cobra on the loose. I'm never going outside again. And what if that cobra gets in and this this, who is the lunatic that had all these poisonous snakes in an apartment complex? I, I mean, can I, I, Can you imagine sharing a wall with a guy with 20 poisonous snakes in his apartment? How is that possible? And one of them just got away and a cobra was just loose in Philly? Bucks County, I know Bucks County well, one of my good buddies from Bucks County from college. I can't even imagine. I can't even remotely imagine having a loose cobra in the Philadelphia metropolitan area,
7: she chopped its head off those with quotes. a shovel.
5: We got to pull some of those yeah. quotes. Oh,
7: yes. That evil laugh she gave, too, when she was recounting her story.
5: I mean, she went toe to toe with uh, the Cobra, and all she had was a shovel.
7: Yeah, and it's not like, you know. I mean, that, if a Cobra it, bites you, you might die. It's not like Especially one of those if big. You're it's 70. Not, Do we have
5: anti Cobra venom in I, Philadelphia?
7: It's not like one of the big Lowe's shovels either. It's one of those small. Shovels. So she like went up to this thing and chopped its head off.
5: Like how big of a shovel?
7: The one-handed shovel.
5: Oh man, that is. Uh, I mean, I, which means that she could have easily been struck by yeah, the kind uh, of dangerous. Yeah. by the cobra yeah. as she tried to chop its head off.
7: Yeah, she had to walk up. You know, it's not. She had like, to get
5: up on the cobra. Right. She squared up on the cobra.
7: She did, and that so that makes the story even more amazing.
5: We need to try to get this woman on. And I want to know, honestly, because that's the whole story. They barely talked about the fact that there's a cobra, right? I mean, I feel like the idea that it's, you know, like the local news totally underplayed the fact that this is a cobra. I mean, cobras kill thousands of people. And I don't think that's hyperbole in uh, the countries where there are cobras, you know, kind of running rampant. Where? Like Egypt? Cleopatra, I remember a cobra <laughs> killed Cleopatra. I'm trying to think of all the countries where they have where they have uh, in India. Don't they have cobras in India where all the people are always playing the flutes and the and the cobras are dancing? I mean, they kill thousands of people every year. So, I mean, the idea that this granny, great granny, just squared up on the cobra with a small yeah, yeah. shovel.
7: Yeah, she grabbed a, a shovel the size of your arm and walked right up to it and chopped its head off.
5: Yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh, all right, we have an, another unbelievable story, but I actually want to save it for tomorrow
7: do you okay because i found audio on this i want
5: more details about this story to emerge in the day that we talk about it there's a report that a man was captured by a bear for a month in uh in a cave in russia and this is from a reputable newspaper and it's been spread on television right where's eddie eddie you saw this on television too
2: yeah it was on your boy tucker carlson show
5: yeah, it used to be my boy. He won't have me on the show anymore. Oh, I haven't well, gotten an invite in a long time. Your
2: ex boy, then?
5: Yeah, my ex boy. I don't. I don't know. I haven't gotten. I haven't been on Fox News in a long time. I don't know what happened. I was killing it for him. Got my own television show. I don't know if they're nervous because I got my own television show now. But I. I mean, yeah, they haven't invited me on. CNN banned me. I understand why I haven't been on there. MSNBC actually invited me on, but I haven't gotten a Fox News invitation recently. But, uh, my, my boy uh, Al, Shar- Al Sharpton invited me on the show a while back. I couldn't do it because I was traveling. But, I mean, even Al Sharpton will have me on. Fox News hasn't had me on lately. Uh, uh, All right, so uh, when we come back, we're going to talk with Frank Isola. By the way, but before we do, I want to come in with the crew. Is, like, if you saw a Cobra dub, if you, you live in Nashville where I do, don't you think you might poop yourself if, like, you were just wherever you are in Nashville where you live too, and, like, suddenly you looked over and a Cobra rose up and kind of spread out its, uh, its uh, you know, like whatever that thing is called, its hood. I guess it's a cobra hood. I don't know what you call that. And it was staring right at you. Don't you think you might lose your mind?
6: Well, I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't grab a 10-inch hand shovel and chop its head off. I don't have the balls for that. No oh, way.
5: there's no way. I mean, and again, I, I, if she gets bitten, do we have cobra anti-venom in America that's easy to access? Because I think every snake, in order to survive like there's rattlesnake antivenom copperhead you know the snakes that usually exist naturally in the United States and my other fear is that nincompoop who had 21 poisonous snakes does this mean that if there had been multiple cobras out that we could just suddenly start to have cobras that live in the United States is it warm enough in Philadelphia for a cobra to survive like a winter I've got the whole country shook right now because if we got cobras just running around, what's to stop them from reproducing like has happened with all the pythons and anacondas and whatnot? I mean, there are probably cobras now living in the Everglades, right?
7: I'm reading here about the uh, anti-venom. Yeah. It says that the venom, well, you have to get the, the cure injected immediately after the bite occurs. And sometimes, unfortunately, they have to wait for it to be flown in.
5: Yeah, right. Like, I don't imagine they have cobra venom just waiting in Philadelphia in case somebody gets bitten by a cobra. So combining that with the fact that the granny's over 70, I would think that your odds of dying from a snake bite increased based on your age, right? I mean, because your body's just not as strong at 73 like the great-grandma was, although her body seems pretty strong, as it would have been at 23 or 33 or 43 or something like that. So I would think that it's even more dangerous for her. Like, she probably dies of a cobra bite if instead she doesn't win that life-and-death struggle.
7: Yeah, it says cobra venom spreads rapidly in its victim's bloodstream, causing respiratory failure and death.
5: I mean, I think that—I'm not kidding when I said I think cobras kill thousands of people every year in uh, in the world. Eddie, what would you do in L.A.? It's fertile in L.A., warm in L.A. Theoretically, there could be cobras living all over the place— if you saw an actual cobra and it ro- r- raised up and spread its head?
2: I, I would be shocked, first of all, because I of all of the creatures I would not expect to see here in California would be a cobra. Uh, I, I agree, though, with Dub. I, I I might try and kill it with a normal size shovel. Oh, I'm, you know, psh, there is way no
5: away way I'm it. trying to kill it with a normal size shovel. If I had a gun... I might just sit there and fire away at it. Maybe gangster style sideways, you know. I didn't I didn't like, say just, might. Just, just gunning away with it. But
7: like the handheld little uh, shovel that you use like a garden? Are you she's crazy.
5: Yeah, I mean absolutely crazy. Roberto, what are you doing?
8: I'm running, man. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't getting next to that, Cobra. That that's crazy. The that lady's got some balls
5: huge brass balls, uh, and she killed the Cobra. So uh, we need to pull a couple of those cuts because her accent is also pretty outstanding.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Lots
5: of you want to weigh in on uh, Megan Rapinoe's comments as the U.S. women get prepared to play against France on Friday, the story 100 percent moving from can the U.S. women win the World Cup to their feud with uh, the president of the United States, Um, and uh, Donald Trump responded yesterday morning and says, uh, you know, he's a fan of the U.S. women. He thinks that Megan Rapinoe should be focused on trying to win the World Cup as opposed to worrying about a worrying about a White House visit. But he says that uh, the White House uh, is going to invite the U.S. women to come regardless of the outcome in the women's world cup, because he is a fan of the team. Phone lines open dub. Let's roll through.
6: All right. We got Jim in Pennsylvania. Jim, what's up?
8: Hey, Clay. Good morning. I got a couple of points. Um, first of all, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, our president typically, but, uh, credit has to go with credits do? He couldn't have handled this any better than he did. So, you know, props to him for that, but I've, I've got a bigger concern with Rapino in this regard. um, you know, Kaepernick took a knee and, and represented himself and a private organization. Rapino stands only because she's she's mandated to. If given a choice, she would take a knee. Her uniform says "United States of America" on it, and I got a real problem with her having a captaincy. and And follow follow me along with me if you can for a minute. Uh, forget about World Cup. Let's assume this was the Olympics. To the best of my knowledge, soccer is an Olympic sport, and when a team Uh, Olympic team sport wins a medal and goes on the platform it's the captains that go on there and if she wanted to be the ultimate martyr to end her career imagine our flag is playing they win a gold medal and she decides to take a knee in that moment I I just I I can't see how she could be a captain uh, under the circumstances so yeah
5: look I mean I think that's a really smart call and 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 I have we talked about this yesterday I think there's a distinction between representing a private organization in some way, as Colin Kaepernick did, and being paid effectively by all of us to be a member of the U.S. national team and choosing to disrespect the flag then. I mean, look, let's just put it this way. Is any other athlete in any other country in World Cup history taking knees or denigrating their national anthem when it plays before their games? Not that I've ever seen. And there are a lot of countries competing in the World Cup that have a pinprick of the freedoms that we do in America. So uh, I think uh, I think that's well said. Um, who's up next, Dub?
6: We got Jose in Fremont. Jose, what's up?
9: What's up, brother? Hey, check it out, man. I am uh, I'm definitely proud of how Trump replied. I mean, considering his history of the way he replied to things. But I definitely, you know what, I am a proud American. Don't get me wrong, but I actually at this point would like to see them lose because, man, you're representing the country, especially in a time that we might be going to war with another country, and you're going to do this, and you want to have the women's soccer team get more equality and, and respect, but you're going to do something like this and it's where? Come on, man. you gotta, you got to get together. You represent the U.S. No matter what, no matter who's in the house, you got to rep.
5: Thanks. I think there are a lot of people out there that that feel that way about you know you want to be able to cheer for the. US women but uh, as as uh, Eddie said you know they start off their run by scoring 13 goals and celebrating then they denigrate you know uh uh the uh, the president I mean that's not a great run that they're on right now in uh, in the uh, in the World Cup I don't think in terms of adding fans who's up next
6: Steven in Atlanta
5: let's go down to the ATL what's
9: up
8: yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm one of those fans
9: who, since
8: she has said this, I'm rooting against
9: them now. And I hope they lose because I want to see the response that Donald Trump has
0: on his Twitter feed when they do lose. Because, you know, it's just so un-American the way a lot of these athletes represent our country and I just think of all the other countries who look at us on this grand stage and they're like, wow, look, look at all these athletes and these Americans who are against the country that they live in. You know, So I, I hope they lose. I really
9: want them to lose.
5: <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nicole. I think there's two ways to look at it. I think you can say, man, it's disgraceful that you would behave this way in a country that has given you all these opportunities. The other way to look at it is we are so free here that even our multi-millionaire athletes have the freedom to denigrate the country that has made them multi-millionaire athletes. Like, the big story that nobody talks about in the Women's World Cup is our women are so good relative to much of the rest of the world because our women are so free relative to much of the rest of the world. Many Saudi Arabia, just in the last couple of years, let women drive cars. Do you think they're going to be good at playing soccer? Of course not. Iran, I don't I think the rule is still somebody looked this up to confirm it. Iran would not let women come watch their World Cup matches. They would not let women go into a stadium and stand and watch games. They may have recently changed that to allow women to come watch games, but for the vast majority of the history of Iran. All soccer games and soccer matches in their country were only male. Think about that for a minute. The entire stadium, the country prohibited women from even going and watching the national team play. Okay, they just changed that in October of 2018. Do you think their women's soccer team in Iran is going to be any good when they don't even let women go watch the men play until October of 2018? Until eight months ago, they didn't even let women watch games in their country. Our country is so free that a woman can rip the President of the United States and basically extend her middle finger in his direction. You imagine the reaction in the vast majority of the world if a prominent athlete basically middle-fingered the president of their country? Think they would still be representing that country? There's no way. Many people in this country completely take for granted our freedoms because, for one thing, they have no idea how unique those freedoms are because, frankly, our education system is failing in many ways. But I think Megan Rapino's response in many ways reflects that ignorance, honestly. If you're Megan Rapino and you care a great deal about women's rights, wouldn't you want to use your platform to shine a light on the lack of women's rights that exists in the rest of the world, instead of insulting the president, I would. Who's up next?
6: We got Jay in South Carolina. Jay, what's up? In that country, there's no way.
5: <laughs> That's. I love the my hearing my own voice on the radio several seconds after I actually said it. But Jay, what's up? Is Jay gone or is he still there? Yeah. Because frankly, our- All right. So here's the deal. If you are waiting to talk, turn your radio down. How long have people been saying this? For 100 years of radio? Since the 1950s. There is a a delay, all right, on the real radio versus me. There's like, what is the delay? 40 seconds, Danny G? Yeah, correct. In the event that people say something crazy and we have to drop it so we don't lose our FCC license, I am 40 seconds ahead. So what Jay is going to do right now? Jay is trying to respond to my questions, but it's too late. Who's up next, Dub?
6: We got Ricky in Augusta, Georgia.
5: Ricky, what's up?
9: Hey, good morning, Clay.
5: Appreciate it. What you got?
9: Hey, yeah, just a response to that soccer team stuff. And uh, and my 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 thought on that is, and I guess I'm sick and tired of all these politically correct people and stuff, and just another regardless of whether you like the president or not, he's the president of the United States, you disrespect your country, you disrespect your flag. And it's it's really starting to get to be really annoying that as, as all these athletes and even the uh the actresses, actors actress to Hollywood. But like I said, we are still all Americans. This is our country. And if you want to go somewhere else there, that's fine. But and you know, and I heard a thing on Tars Walker said a couple of days ago, you know, we, they, you know, when he was playing basketball, and we got all these people playing these sports, and he was playing as kids, kid, playing this fun, and we paying you millions and millions of dollars just to play a game that you used to play as a kid, and you still have all these uh, aspects of this country and this, that, and the other. But you, you really making it look bad for the United States when you do stuff like that. I was actually in Washington D.C. a couple of weeks this weekend. Yeah, and got, got to, I got to see. Uh, Air Force uh, One, well, the Air Force that the helicopter, to bring the president home. When I was in Washington D.C., he, he dropped him off, and they took off and went where they went. Yeah, but you got to love, you got to love this country. Yeah, I mean, regardless of you know the history of it and everything else, it's still we are the United States of America.
5: Thank you, thank you. Look, we're not perfect, but we're better than any country has ever been in the history of the world, and that's not hyperbole. We are not perfect, but we are better than any country has been in the history of the world. And I said yesterday, and I still think this is true, I think it would be helpful in the United States if we had some sort of international service program and everybody in the United States had to go live in a third world country for a year before they could start college. They had to travel around in other parts of the world and see how people live. I think a lot of you out there right now listening, you're like blown away by that fact that I told you earlier about Iran. Iran did not let women watch sporting events in its country until October of 2018. One reason why our women's soccer team is so much better than our men's soccer team relative to the rest of the world, the primary reason, is because our women have freedoms that the women in the rest of the world don't have. I would find it far more powerful, instead of going after Donald Trump, if Megan Rapino used her platform to actually bring and shed light on situations like those. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, most of the issues of unfairness and fundamental injustice that exist now in this world aren't taking place in the United States. We are a beacon of liberty compared to most of the rest of the world. Not saying we're perfect, but if you want to shine your platform and use your platform as a member of the U.S. national team, why not use it to advance American values and try to spread our values to other parts of the world instead of attacking the president while you're wearing the U.S. women's national team jersey? And I do think there's a difference between what Colin Kaepernick did, which I didn't agree with, and what Megan Rapino is doing. I think Megan Rapino is much worse because she's representing the U.S. soccer team. She's not representing a random pro sports franchise when she makes the decisions that she's making. And right now she's also overseas representing us, which I think is an even higher level of importance. Who's up next?
6: All right, last one here. we got Mike in Sherman Oaks.
0: Mike, what's up? Hey, hey Clay. You know, you, you make a great point about how ignorant most uh, people in the United States are. Uh, I think uh, uh, every junior high student should go see a citizenship uh, swearing in ceremony uh that uh, the people uh, being given the privilege of being a citizen uh like at the uh la uh, yeah no it's a, centers, it's a great point uh, it is it is, you know, it is
5: it is incredible yeah, to right. see i mean look you can agree or disagree with all the mess that's going on with immigration in this country right now but most people in the world consider it so desirable to merely have their feet on american soil that they are willing to risk their lives to try to get here, right? And if you see those citizenship swearing-in ceremonies, people from all over the world who have done everything they can, and for many of them, i.e. even most of them, the becoming an American citizen is the proudest moment of their lives, and that's because they understand the rights, responsibilities, and great freedoms that we have, relative to what they have they've had uh, in the past um, in other countries and I don't think most people born in America today get that do we lose the color I mean I think it was a really good point perspective matters in all things in life and it's hard sometimes to keep the appropriate measure of perspective because we live in sort of a frenzied time where there's always these new distractions, where there's always so many things that you have to take care of. A lot of you are driving into work this morning and you got a billion things on your checklist. And just pausing for a moment and thinking about how fortunate we all are if you are listening in one of the 50 states or somewhere in the world and you are an American citizen, you won the lottery when you were born an American. Or you won the lottery sometimes literally if you are fortunate enough to be an immigrant and have become a citizen of this country. Throughout the history of mankind, being born in America today, regardless of who your parents are and regardless of what your current circumstances are at birth, you are more fortunate than 99.99% of people who have ever been born. And I think many of us don't realize that because we take for granted so much in this country on a day-to-day basis. I think Megan Rapinoe did it, and I think it reflects poorly on her. I think Donald Trump actually responded in a somewhat presidential fashion, certainly maybe the most presidential fashion that he's responded to any
1: sports crisis so far. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis, weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, oh.